the Apostle Frederick Kaluluma podcast channel. Apostle Frederick is the senior pastor of the City of the Lord Church, and he has been anointed by God with a message that will take you deeper in your walk with Christ. We have the mission to bring hope to the hopeless, and we seek to build a community of believers founded on faith and walking in love until the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, if you would like to officially join the City of the Lord Church and get access to pastoral care, counsel, and one-on-one sessions with the man of God, fill in the form in the link below the podcast description. Now, here comes today's powerful word. It is your word. So grab your Bibles, pens, and notepads as we join Apostle Frederick from the City of the Lord Church in Lusaka, Zambia. Be blessed. Wonderful. Let's deal with enemies of your soul. Let's start by taking time to imagine. You can close your eyes and imagine. What are you imagining? (laughs) You know your mind is very... Your mind is very fertile. Because right now, if I was to tell you to imagine, or even if I was to tell you, don't think about a pink cow. (laughs) What are you going to think about? I want you to imagine the most serene and relaxing environment. Serene. Like that environment that's so like say and dream. <laughs> you get it, eh? <laughs> yeah, so I want you to imagine the most serene environment. Like I don't I don't know what that means to you. Is it sitting on the couch with your legs on the chair with the remote watching football? Is it running on a field of grass and you're just running and running and you get heart beat? (laughs) Okay, I want you just to imagine that the most serene environment you can think of both internally and externally and just imagine yourself in it. What's the most serene with opera music playing. (laughs) Or maybe you're standing by the side of a ship, like you're standing on the side, and the song is... (laughs) Whatever it is, (laughs) maybe that's serene for you. Um, is it is your most peaceful moment when you're playing basketball and you're just shooting some hoops okay praise God don't you find it interesting that the Bible says that God came to see Adam in the cool of the day. Can you imagine that? It was in the cool of the day. Like it wasn't, he specifically chose a time. Like the cool of the day. That feels so, you know, serene. And God's, guys, please, not you go text a lady, you looked so serene today. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
No, when Apostle said, imagine a most serene environment. I imagined you and I at the altar. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> I, want you to, I want you to imagine this. So, like, Adam is in this most serene environment. And God literally comes to chill with him in the cool of the day. And God's desire for you is peace. Jesus would often say, peace be with you, peace be with you. Not peace as the world gives. His desire for you is Eden. And Eden was not just a physical place, but also an experience, an environment. Back in the day, the most intimate place a king would bring his friends is his garden. And if somebody invited you to the garden, then they really thought of you as special and they wanted to spend time with you. And perhaps imagine sitting in the garden having afternoon tea or something like that. And that, 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 that was, that, and that's why if you are to study kingdoms of the past, they worked a lot on their gardens. Because the garden was that place of friendship, that place of fellowship. Yeah. It's like maybe nowadays if a friend, if, for guys, if a friend comes to see you and you give him the other controller, Those are levels. I don't know how it is for ladies. What, how is it for ladies? If you give her your powder or... <laughs> you can use my cologne. I think that, that should be a high realm. <laughs> or you're invited to her kitchen. That's a very, very high realm. For a guy, a friend who can come and open your fridge... <laughs> Those are levels. <laughs> I don't know if somebody's hearing me. And God specifically planted a garden and would, even though Adam's mandate was the whole earth, he would chill with him in the garden. And that just shows you even the kind of relationship God wants to have with you. Where you can take walks in the cool of the day. Amazing, eh? But just as there was that snake in the tree, they are enemies to the peace of your soul. And that's what we're going to decipher. That's what we're going to decipher. Now, for those who don't know what the soul is, a man is a spirit. He has a soul. He lives in a body. Your spirit's primary function is to connect you to God. Your soul connects you to the mental realm, the emotional realm. And without your soul, you can't function properly on earth because human beings are also soulish in nature. There are people who've tried. Hey, me, I'm just alone. Shanuko, eagles fly alone. <laughs> and, I, and there's nothing wrong with egos flying alone like every time a friendship ends hey Shanuko if you hang around chickens as an ego <laughs> you could be the problem sometimes <laughs> but here is the key that I will tell you look there's nothing wrong with being the ego who flies alone or anything like that but God said it's not good for a man to be alone and interestingly when God was saying that Adam was with him. So God was saying, you only relating with me is not my desire. My desire is for you to relate with other human beings. I will say that again. So even if you are saying, no, the reason you don't do friendships is because you are always basking, you know where, in the, in the belly of the glory. That is not God's will. If you could actually open your ears in the belly, 
you observe that he actually wants you to relate with other human beings. So it's not God's will for you to only be with him. He also wants you to be with others. That's why friendships are important. That's why uh, families are important. That's why communities are important. That's why countries are important. That's why people are important. Although people come with their own uh, <laughs> agendas and timelines and the like. But I want us to see something about your soul. Philippians chapter number 4. This should be a memory verse, right? Let's start from verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. You know it? Rejoice in the Lord always. Then you go. No, guys. You're singing it wrongly. You're singing it wrongly. Yeah, yeah, your accents. You don't say rejoice. No, there you say rejoice, rejoice. It's rejoice on that part. Huh? It's like saying I walked and walked. It's it's I walk, I walk, I walk. <laughs> Okay, so it says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say this is, a, this is an instruction. In COL, how do we do it? We say, I will never lose my song. No, actually, on the I'll never lose my song, we don't clap. We start clapping on the next part. So let's do it. If we're going to do it, let's do it right. Let's hear it. One, two, three. How do we say it in COL? I will never lose my song. I will sing it every day. I will never lose my song. Then you'd slow it down and do a big finish. I will sing it every day. Then just when they think you're done, it goes. I will never lose my dance. I will dance it every day. I will never lose my dance. Okay. <laughs> okay, we're, we're done. We're done. You can lose your dance for now. Let's <laughs> rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Next verse. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Not, I'm a nice person if you get to know me. No. Even if we've not gotten to know you, let your gentleness be known to all men. Aha. Let's go on. <laughs> be anxious for nothing. Jesus made a very important statement about anxiety and worry. Jesus actually asked if it adds a cubit to your life. So interestingly, from what I've observed, it drains you. It drains. It doesn't add, it removes. Okay? But that's why you're here. So we can deal with such things. And then it says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So there are also moments of prayer where you can be deliberate about your request. Sometimes, um, you know, sometimes we like do everything else except tell God what we actually really want. Like, yes, tell him, oh, almighty father, wonderful, you're merciful. But you can also just be honest. Okay, Lord, the real reason I came here. <laughs> From my bank account, something. I want my pension just in advance a bit. My heavenly pension. Yeah, you can just be honest with him. Like, make be uh, just be free to talk to him about anything the challenge is we think that certain topics is not interested in come on somebody who's interested in counting the hair on your head something you've never done i, I don't know if you're getting me like i'm a father now but guys surely i should start counting my daughter's hair <laughs> even i don't have that, <laughs> that time now somebody who can count the hair on your head some more than others that's 
That's a lot of time invested. That's a lot of time invested. Okay? Let's continue. Then it says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now one thing about the peace of God that you must understand if I was teaching on peace is it doesn't start by making sense to the mental realm. That's why it says it surpasses all understanding. So it's not necessarily that how you know the peace has come from God is that you'll sit and you understand the situation and you understand why it happened and when it happened. That's not how it activates. It surpasses that realm and brings you to this place of serenity. Now interestingly, peace is also violent because it says the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds. Now the part that's been mentioned there is soulish in nature. That means the peace of God has been employed to guard your soulish realm. The question is this. What's so special about the heart? What's so special about your soul that it needs a guard? And for that matter, the guard employed is the very peace of God. What is, what is it guarding? What's so special within you that needs to be guarded? We've got the answers. For something to be guarded, it means two things. One, it's got treasures that are wanted. There are treasures within that somebody wants to have access to. Two, it has enemies. It means your heart has got treasures that people want to access. People of all kinds, right? Some with good intentions, some with bad intentions. There's someone right now looking for the key to your heart. <laughs> If you just listen to the radio properly, you hear, no, I'm dedicating a song to my sister from church. <laughs> sister Belinda. <laughs> the song is Nipe Mako Maki. <laughs> Who remembers the days of song dedication? <laughs> if I someone is listening to the radio with their parents, just to hear, yeah, so uh, I'm just dedicating this song to my, <laughs> to my shorty. <laughs> Mentions your name, your middle name, your son name, the nickname for at home, your age, your school. <laughs> and the point just like, eh. <laughs> okay, wonderful. So, um, your heart has treasures that are wanted and your heart has enemies. The scripture below shows some of the treasures that lie in your heart. Proverbs 4 verse 23. That's why the key to your heart, don't give it to just anyone. Don't do it because it's trending. Don't do it because everyone is posting. Don't do it because it looks good when a pastor is doing an engagement. Uh, the keys of your heart, be very cautious about them. Ask necessary questions. It's an important treasure to God. Now, Proverbs 4 verse 23 says, Keep and guard your heart from the amplified with all vigilance and above all that you guard for out of it flow the springs of life. Other versions say the issues of life. So the issues of life are vested more in the heart and in the mind. And that's why you notice, if you have to look at the development of a human being, as a person grows, and they begin to grow even emotionally and mentally and the like, suddenly there are people they like, people they don't like. <laughs> Suddenly, uh, things change. Like, have you ever seen kids playing? And then one kid has hurt the other. And then five minutes later, they're playing again. Whereas, 
for their grown-up colleagues. <laughs> Someone said one thing, the screen grab reached. <laughs> they are group chats. <laughs> okay, so the screen grab reaches and this, it's a bit more complicated when you're grown because the heart is delicate. In it lie the issues of life. Someone today can make your day through one message. They can also ruin your day if you allow them to through one message. Interesting, eh? So it gets more complicated the more you grow. So it's, it's something that's worth guarding. It's worth guarding. Let's get to some of the enemies of your soul. The following are the enemies you need to guard it from. The first one, Uja. No, I'm, I'm not going to mention that person. <laughs> the first enemy is called shame. 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 What's the most shameful moment you've ever experienced? Have you repressed it? <laughs> In psychology, there is something called repression where you delete it from your mind. It is just as if it had never happened. <laughs> and then what's funny for a person like me is that um, what's funny is that for me I know, my mind can be very, very funny. For example, I remember my last under five session. I'm not even joking. I remember it very well. And I remember pretending to be tough to please the nurses. When they put, I remember first being put in that thing. It was brown, that thing. I remember pretending to be very tough. And I've hated injections since then. You can't blame me. I was five in grade one, so I was, obviously I can remember some of those things. Um, what else do I remember? A bit of daycare. There was a time I was describing something I could remember. But So there is shame, right? So no one wants to tell us the most shameful moment they've ever experienced. No, it's okay. No, it's okay. We will not give you the mic. And they come in different phases and moments, right? Yeah, I remember the, the first time I took a walk with my wife. And I kept bumping into things. I don't know what was happening to my stuff. <laughs> You're walking to the... <laughs> Almost fell down. But anyways... <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, it's interesting. I remember one time this should have been at Material Boys. So Material Boys had a system where vice captains and captains would be voted for. So obviously I won both elections. I mean it's me. And then <laughs> what would happen is that on the material day of the handover ceremony the uh, your predecessor would give a speech and then afterwards hand over power to the new person and maybe give a word of encouragement. And uh, my predecessor decided to say something like, he decided to mock me in his handing over. That was in front of the whole school. He decided to, to make a very mocker, mocking statement as in that some of the staff members were so angry that he did that. But I think that was one of my, it was like, eh. It was one of my awkward moments. I think I'd, I'd forgotten about it until now that I thought about it. <laughs> but you know what shame does? Shame makes you hang your head. Have you noticed that? Shame will make you walk like this. And when shame becomes a habit or a culture it will make you apologize for everything everything you want to say I'm sorry everything you're sorry for it 
No. Um, it's time for question and answer. Hey, guys. Time for questions. Anyone with a question? Someone lifts a hand. Uh, sorry, sir. I just wanted to ask. Why? Was... <laughs> Already from that statement, you can tell this person lacks self-confidence. Such that they have to apologize for saying so. I, I, I noticed that, and you know, sometimes, it's maybe it's because of the way we're treated in certain spaces. Sometimes you go to a space and there are people who are supposed to direct you to things. You want to apologize to them for asking them to direct you to things. I'm not saying be rude to them, but sometimes it's a reflection of that you don't think you deserve certain things. I was telling the people at the YAM conference, um, the, the first time I was like, on a flight and a longish flight, I felt like and I, I chose the window seat. I felt like I didn't deserve, who am I to disturb these two people next to me to stand up to go use the bathroom? I sat. <laughs> Guys, I sat. I'm telling you, what these things can do to you. <laughs> I sat. I sat. They came, they asked me my beverage of choice. I didn't necessarily give them options. Uh, like anything. The person chose to mention you. Because, I don't know. I felt, and then in that specific flight, I was one of the only uh, black people. So I felt very intimidated without knowing that I felt intimidated. And I only reflected when I dropped out. Because when I dropped out, the first thing I did was rush for a bathroom. I could have easily, no one would have stopped me. No one would have charged me. I could have just stood up and walked. But I felt like I didn't have the right. I don't, something about me just felt, my esteem wasn't as high as I thought it was. I told myself, I was in a connecting flight. I told myself the next one. <laughs> I was about to end. I found someone in my seat. I said, excuse me. Um, I then looked at my character. I think that's my chair. <laughs> when I was asked juice or tea, I, I said, give me both. <laughs> because I wanted to get myself to want to go to the bathroom so I can say, excuse me. <laughs> and I took my walk. What I'm trying to say is shame makes you hang your head. It makes you hang your head. And I may be saying it in a comical way, but there are some people here whose heads inside of their heart are always like this. They're always hung. They're always like, it's like, look, I don't, I don't deserve, I don't deserve, I don't deserve, I don't deserve. And, you know, we must come to a place where um, we all think so highly about ourselves that rather than teaching on shame, we start teaching on the dangers of pride. You know, you're, you're better off bordering on confidence. <laughs> I would rather do that. The Bible says, let no man think of himself more highly than he ought to. So think of yourself highly. Just don't surpass the boundaries. But there's that aspect of shame. It's a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. Have you ever wanted like the ground to just open you up and just like eat you up and and you know the more you grow the more you realize that one thing you don't want to do is participate in people's shame for example i remember when we went to get our grade nine results and they were stuck on the notice board so there was a guy the results were not showing for notice board then people start checking <laughs> And it sounded funny, but now that I think about it, it wasn't necessary. <laughs> we had this teacher. It was the same teacher we had. I'll never forget. Um, he's giving out results, so he's like mentioning. Maybe he mentions your name, then he gives you with a poker face. Like, okay, Frederick. Okay, Cassandra. Then this one. And then there was a, the guy he mentions. We'll call him Panbrick. He goes like, Panbrick. We'll always keep you in our prayers. <laughs> and <laughs> in doing such things, some people listen to me are teachers. 
or your influential people in certain areas. Can you imagine the damage that it was doing to the guy's heart? One time, I sat next to the said gentleman in a maths class, and both of us were not getting it, as in the man was teaching, and we were both not getting it, as in the look on our face. <laughs> have you ever just not gotten it? And I remember I looked at him, said, I'm stuck. And then he looked at me and said, I'm also stuck. But then he goes like, but what I heard was, and the thing that he mentioned actually made me understand the entire topic. And yet he saw himself as stuck. Meaning there was an aspect of shame that had now begun to... If today I'm in a meeting, and it's a meeting to bring out ideas, are you the one who just never says anything? Are you the one who walk out saying, even me, I wanted to say that, or you walk out saying, ah, that person talks a lot. They kept giving ideas. Why didn't you give yours? Could it be that there is also an aspect of shame that you're dealing with? Maybe you feel, who am I? I'm not intelligent enough for my ideas to be gotten. And these things may seem like nitty-gritties, but these are things that people are dealing with. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, your ideas are good. Shame causes you to walk less than your calling. Have you ever had a bad moment with an outfit? <laughs> Have you ever had a bad moment with an outfit? Where something gets torn, perhaps in a sensitive area, and there is no backup. The first thing that will change is your step. Because you are trying to like, I hope no one is looking at me, I hope no one is looking at me, I hope no one is looking at me, I hope no one is looking at me. No one should look at me, no one should look at me, no one should look at me. Because in that moment, you are not, not going to walk with your usual Vince McMahon step and stuff like that. Because there is something on you that's bringing you shame. That's the same way it is with life. If there is this sense of shame, there is a way you walk. For example, here's a person that finds themselves repeating a class, right? Maybe they didn't do too well. And by way of their results, okay, let's, let's say it the way it is. There was an F. So let's say they failed. And then they have to repeat that course or something like that. There's a very high chance if they don't deal with certain things in their heart, they might set themselves up for a vicious cycle. You know why? They may not want to show up for any class because they don't want to be looked at as the person who repeated the course. So they may not want to show up. Then by not showing up, they're now reducing their chances of passing. Before you know it, you're repeating for the second time. So can I tell you what you do? Show up the first time. Show up the second time. Show up the third time. Show up the fourth time. Show up the fifth time. Show up the 60th time. The more you keep showing up, the less... It becomes, it becomes normal. You blend in. Talk. But no matter what you do, don't sit and languish in, in that shame. There are people right now who could have finished grade 12 five years ago. But because they didn't do well the first time, they are ashamed of being looked at as the guy who's writing GCE. Guy, there are my memes that come out during GCE periods. Some of you have seen them, right? <laughs> you guys, don't, you've never seen the memes. There are memes that come out in that period. Hey, guys, results. People even announce for you. GCE, guys, my results are choking. <laughs> but then, here's the thing. As you are staying back because you're feeling ashamed that if you go back, people will see you know what starts happening? One year passes, two year passes, three year passes, and then your cousin was in grade four. <laughs> will end up writing. That's why you have to learn to deal with these things. Hey. Yeah. I, are you getting some of the stuff that I'm saying today? So shame sometimes can come from it can come from a culturing. Maybe 
you were brought up a certain way. You were brought up to not feel confident. You were brought up as the third banana. You were brought up as the other person. Not everyone has grown up in, let's say, a good home. And then some people, maybe they've been brought up in like a semi-good home in the sense that at least they did what they could. They provided, they provided the basic nutrition. They provided the basic uh, education and the like. But maybe they just didn't provide the basic esteem. It's gotta ha you're, you're going to have to source it from somewhere. So some people just can come to a place where they grow up ashamed. And they start walking like an apology. They grow up feeling like an apology. Like they are sorry to be born. They are sorry to exist. Like I'm sorry that... No, and, and, and you know, th these are things that you have to reflect on. And that's why you know what? The reason why I tackle some of these areas is because... Um, if no one talks about them now, when you're at a stage where you're the one being, let's say you're a parent or you're a caregiver, especially if you're a caregiver and maybe you're parenting somebody who may not necessarily have been born from your womb, you have to be very deliberate because they may be more sensitive than you think. And then it's like you have to apologize for being a child. You have to apologize for making the same mess everybody else made. You have to apologize for asking for school fees. You have to apologize. So there's this sense of more of I'm an apology rather than I deserve it. Whereas when you meet that on from uh, that on who's like uh, there's that on I met sometime. And I just saw the on was in a suit. And I'm like, ah, what's going on? He's like, no, no, I'm... Uh, I'm just studying law at, at, at Unilas. I'm like, but on. Last year, yeah, last year I was doing uh, SEC at Zika's, but, you know, after I spoke to my parents, I realized I don't really like it. But the other year, yeah, 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 the other year I was doing medicine at Apex. So if I, <laughs> so <laughs> you find there's that on who, <laughs> the guy can switch schools whenever he feels like, and just go to his parents and say, no, I just didn't feel like this is the one for me. And they'll just give him a hug and say, my son, follow your dreams. <laughs> Whereas, there's another person who had to beg the government. And then every test, every exam is a danger zone. Like... <laughs> It's a danger zone, like no retreat, no surrender. Like <laughs> what you're doing right now, you're saving your future. You know, you have to sometimes sit and ask yourself what that does to your mindset, what that does to your heart. So sometimes it's the way you've been treated. Sometimes it's the mistakes that you've made. Like you've made bad mistakes. Well, when you even think about them, you're like, how on earth did I do that? And that can leave you with this sense of shame. Now, I want you to see this. Psalms 3 verse 3. Here is one of the things that God... Sometimes it's the way you've been treated. Someone took your virginity without you wanting it to go. And later on you just walk and live like, what's there to keep? After it, I was violated and it was taken from me. Meaning there's a sense of shame. Psalm 3 verse 3. It says, But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. For illustrative purposes uh, of the same gender, let's have two people. So meaning if a male walks up first, then it's two males. If a female walks up first, then it's... Okay. I mean, weird if it was opposite gender, then they're not married. So here is you, and let's say you're living life like an apology. You're not being apologetic enough. Be an apology. <laughs> is, he, is he being an apology right now? I feel like he's being a semicolon. Who can be an who's like a, maybe he will lift you wanna try to be an apology? Okay, be an apology. I, I hear you're Bruno. Bruno! 
But Bruno, no wonder we don't talk about him. Eh? <laughs> you see what I did there? No, be an apology. Be an apology, Bruno. Pretend like it's your wedding, it's someone's wedding day and you've messed it up. And then, so that's Bruno. And then here is God. And what does God do? Lift up his head. He lifts up your head. He says, look, no, walk straight. Walk with confidence. Like you're back in the family, Magridao, and stuff like that. Like, walk with confidence. Come on. God is the lifter of your head. I want you to see something. I want you to take a look at... I want you to look at Luke chapter 15. And I want us to look from verse 19. God is the lifter of your head. I pray, may you know God as the lifter of your head. And that's why he's allowed me to share these things today. So that you can attack certain things. The lifter of my head. Somebody say, I acknowledge you God. As the lifter of my head. Maybe let's start from verse for context. Give me when it actually starts. Say it again. I acknowledge you, God. As the lifter of my head. Say, I fear no man. You need to learn to tell yourself such things. They are human beings just like me. <laughs> Say, my ideas are worth it. My voice counts. I'm worth listening to. Are you ready for this one? And I'm worth being a burden sometimes. Yeah, some. Have you noticed how kids are born into this world with this super confidence that they've got the right to give you diapers? So sometimes, sometimes you may be the one who's inconveniencing others. Maybe not deliberately. It's okay. Sometimes it happens like that. Sometimes you're the one who needs others. And that's why <laughs> you'll find that one of the marks of a confident person is actually they can ask for help when they need it. I'll say that again. <laughs> one of the marks of a confident person is that if they need help, they can actually ask for it. It takes a confident person to say, I'm... I didn't understand that. Could you help me with that? Or could you help me with that? Can I come see you help me with that school subject? Or uh, there's this circumstance that may need your help in this and this area. It's actually a mask of confidence because you're not, you're not afraid of being looked at a certain way. There's nothing wrong with asking for help when you need it. Absolutely nothing wrong. You know another mark of a confident person? They listen to the scripture I'm about to share. So then he said, a certain man had two sons. Let's continue. And one of the worst shames is if you are ashamed to be before God. And so let's look at it. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. I don't know. It's hard to say portion as portion. In Africa, we don't say portion. We say, give me the portion. <laughs> That falls to me. And so he divided them to his life. You've never been to a Pentecostal meeting. My portion must come. Yeah. Not my head, not my blood. <laughs> and it says, and the younger of them said, so, yeah, next verse. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country. And they are wasted his possessions on prodigal living. It's prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. Now, for those who don't know what swine is, swine are pigs, and it also used to be a violent word that used to be said. Like when you provoke an odd person, you are just swine. <laughs> you are not a swine. If there is any name you are called that you shouldn't have been called, 
Just rebuke it. I'm not there. <laughs> and, but, and, and, and for those who are running education facilities, I'm appealing, get rid of that song. Get rid of that song. Uh, cry baby panty. It's such a vulgar song. No, listen. You're telling the baby to cry baby panty. And then you tell the baby to go suck his mother's... Uh, the kids are singing that. And you tell them that when they go to Sunday school, the teacher says they are naughty. Whoa, shame. And then you said that... Us, they, they even used to be like a phrase afterwards, like dunderhead, dunderhead, wake up. Pull up. Now, imagine calling someone a dunderhead. What are you doing to them? Get rid of that. No, that's, that's not right. Just because you worked on you doesn't mean it's right. Maybe that's the reason you're even distributing it. It's not right. It's like bullying in boarding schools. It's not right. Imagine that for those two minutes. Imagine that damage that's been done to a child's life. In those two minutes where they hear the whole class singing and calling them a dunderhead. No, that's not right at all. And you find the rumor even reaches the next class. Now, here's what it says. Now, this guy was on such a high horse that he had the confidence to tell his father, saying, give me my inheritance. So, he had a good side to him. One good side to him is that he actually knew what was his. On that part, he was actually better than the other brother. The other brother didn't know what was his. He says, give me what is mine. What was his bad part? He wasted it, right? And then he reached such a place of shame that when he was sent to go and take care of the pigs, the Bible says he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. He started admiring what pigs eat. That's the level of shame he reached. And then this is what happens. When he came to himself, this one is also a prophetic prayer point. That person you are praying for, that family member you are praying for, that uncle, that parent, that friend, pray that they come to, them, to themselves. There is something that he had lost. Shame gets something away from you. But the Bible says when he came to himself, he had an epiphany, right? He came to himself. He said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? Let's go on. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. Uh -huh. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Meaning the first thing he lost was his identity. It's not just the possessions he lost. He lost his identity. He forgot that he was his father's son. And he accepted it and said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Let's go on. And he arose and came to his father. But... <laughs> Think about this. Let, let, let's have uh, an imagery of it. Who, who wants to be my imagery people uh, I don't know okay you're the first so you can come through but I'll only do with females only females uh, how, how are we going to do this okay so who's the father hmm. Joanna is the father <laughs> You'll be the order, the order acting. So it's better we give you a role that's different. So you stand there and then you come. So you start coming. So this person, the other one can chill in the background. And then the person is there. And I want you to think about it. They've told themselves, will my father even accept me? And start coming with shame head down <laughs> and the bible says when the father saw the father didn't even wait what did the father do the father ran in heels are you hearing me the father even though he was putting on a schooner what did he do 
he ran just just and it wasn't that jumping for it wasn't that one for hi the bible like they fell it was that hugging for no don't do it it's okay it's okay it's okay, it's okay. but it was that one for where they fell like ah! and you can you can imagine the guy was smelling because other people would have run like ah! take a shower take a shower take a shower i'll hug you later take a shower first let's continue next next verse and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And he thought he was being humble. What did the father reply? The father ignored that statement. And says, bring out the best robe. <laughs> Come on, put something on her. It says, bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. I don't know if somebody is hearing me. What was happening there? The father was restoring his identity. Saying, you've come back asking to be a servant, but I'm making you a son. So the father restores his identity, gives him a robe. Those are clothes. So he gives him those fancy clothes for an Instagram. And then puts a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And say, let's go on. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. Let's eat and be merry. So that's actually the real spelling. For those of you who always wondered, Mary Movanga, that's the spelling. Not, it's not M-A-R-Y. I, I think I've done her a favor. So let's eat and be merry. Uh huh. For this, my son was dead and alive again. The question is this What caused the father to call the son dead? It's his lack of identity. So he lost himself. And then when he came to himself, he came and wanted to be a servant. But the father says, This, my son, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Turn to your neighbor and say, Be merry. <laughs> next verse and they were singing for the son well there was a party so the, the brother just hears but it beats right and then the older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house he heard music and dancing so he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant let's continue and he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. I want us just to learn something here. Uh -huh. Next verse. But he was angry and would not go in. <laughs> Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. Okay, just move from the screen. <laughs> and he answered and said to him, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. That's the problem. He was always a servant. His mindset was always, his mindset was always lower than what he was. So that was his challenge. I'll tell you this, because when you know your sonship, and when you know your place, you're not jealous of another person, because you know your place. And so he says, and he compares to himself, the, all these years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. And you never gave me even a young goat that I can make merry with. And for that matter, he was the older son. So meaning, according to culture at this period, for him, it was the double portion. So he had access to even more than the younger one. Next verse. <laughs> uh -huh, 31. And he said, son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. Ladies and gentlemen, my point here is this. There is enough of God. He's like, uh, how can I put it? The goodness of God doesn't finish because he's expressed it to another person. There is still enough for you. And 
whereas we may be throwing a party for other people, sometimes just throw yourself one. So if let's say we're having a session and we call a word of knowledge and we lay hands on someone and they receive the spirit of God, you know, you can also just jump in from your seat. Like just, like, I don't know if you're hearing me. Please take your seats. Thank you so much. You've been wonderful. As, I, as I'm concluding, what was my point here? My point here is that due to the things that have happened to you and the things you may have done, you may feel ashamed before God, before man. But God's aim is always restoration. The enemy's aim is condemnation. The spirit's aim is conviction. So you may be listening to me right now and... You know what's interesting about these things is that you may have been a believer for 10 years. You've been practicing the right things. But somehow, if we're ever teaching and we bring up a point on abortion, your mind goes back to that day 11 years ago and you feel less than everybody else. Somehow, when we bring up a certain topic, your heart goes to a certain place, your mind goes to a certain place, your memories go to a certain place, and you feel like... I'm just glad that at least God allows me to serve him. And yet what God is saying is you've got the freedom of a son. Sometimes you may find you keep going to spaces and you keep fighting voices in your mind, let's say. So if one will come and say, there are five people God wants to use here. You're not thinking you're one of them. Like, me, I'm, me, just, God, I'm not even worthy to even sit on this seat. So I don't mind just being the person who sits on this seat, how come you never think of yourself as one of the five? Could it be that there is shame that you've not dealt with? When we talk about purity, why don't you see yourself as pure? Haven't you read where it says, if any man be in Christ is a new creation? Perhaps have you only believed that you're forgiven, but you've not believed that you've been cleansed? Because there is also a cleansing aspect. It says, if you confess, he'll forgive and cleanse. Ladies and gentlemen, the moment you walk with your head like this, you'll keep bumping into things. Your direction will go. And that's why you'll find if you keep wallowing in shame, you'll keep on doing shameful things. And before you know it, you're eating with pigs. I was going to say instead of eating them, but anyways. Um, can I just give you one more verse for today? Or just one more point? Just one more point and I'm done. If I don't touch it today. I want you to imagine, ladies and gentlemen, how, how do you think it would have been like to be the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul, there are people that he met after he got born again. And he was responsible for the murder of their closed and loved ones. And he meets them and says, guys, I'm born again now. Now, look at 2 Corinthians 7 verse 2. Paul writing to the church says, do, not open, do open your hearts to us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have cheated no one. What manner of mind transformation took place in between the time he got born again and the time he was writing this? That out of the sincerity of his heart, he could write and say, open your hearts to us, we've not wronged anyone. What manner of mind transformation took place? That he could say, I magnify my ministry. And how you know you're wallowing in condemnation and in shame is it robs you of your freedom to stand before God. When Peter discovered who Jesus was, his first reaction was not to hug him. Look at Luke 5 verse 8. Peter's first reaction was not like, oh my, I've met the Messiah. No, no, no. Luke 5 verse 8. Peter's first reaction was, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. The first reaction of shame will be, look, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy. And this can apply to your relationship with God. It can apply even to your relationship with friends. Where there are some friends you're avoiding because they are too good for you. You just like the toxic ones. No, it happens sometimes. Where someone just likes 
Like, that one is too good. They are too principled. Ladies and gentlemen, I've spent a lot of time talking, and I'll spend even more time talking over the next few weeks. Because we're dealing with all of them one by one. But the biggest thing I wanted to say today is lift your head. Arise from that shame. That's the part where you clap. Okay. I want you to do an exercise. Turn to your neighbor. And I want you to take turns. 30 seconds each. You start. I don't know who you is. But I want you to encourage them. Can you be playing for me, Kamilumbe? Just give them the keyboard. Okay, you can take turns, the other neighbor now. The other one encourages the other. Have you guys finished your encouragement? Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I'm very serious about this. Um, I'm giving you 10 seconds. You find a random person to encourage. So, First, ex first find a random person, then I'll tell you. Everyone with someone. Your seats. I need to close. You can get up and find a random person. Like this. Can't you just want to be at church the whole day? So you guys, you never did a heart for me. No heart for me, surely. Will my head fit? <laughs> my head is a special size. Okay, let's... let's uh, I would like to give an opportunity to any person who's saying they want to be born again today. The one who confessed Jesus as their Lord. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. This is your opportunity to confess Jesus as your Lord and to live a new life. If you're one of those, I want you to just quickly raise your hand so that I invite you to the altar. I'm seeing the hands. Raise your hand. Lovely. I confess you as my Lord. And from this day, I'm born again. Amen. Congratulations. I look forward. You look so happy. <laughs> I look forward to our classes. And hopefully to baptizing you tomorrow. Come to the certificate the next week. Right. Tim, please, I bless you all. Tim. How to close such a service. Now I'm going to pray for you. And. In my prayers. I am declaring. Independence. Where you're free. You've got freedom to adore. You've got freedom for your soul. You've got freedom to live. Without. Shame being your master. Now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth I decree and declare the peace of God. The peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. I release that peace in your lives in your mind in your heart. I declare in Jesus name this peace launches war against depression launches war against anxiety launches war against shame in the name of Jesus the lifter of your head is here and I declare that yoke of shame is broken by the anointed of God you are free from those shackles in Jesus name now you are blessed your week is blessed let this be the week of answers for you 
let this be the week of clarity. You are preserved in your body, you are preserved in your soul, you are preserved in your mind. Let this be the week where you testify, because the breaker is here. In Jesus' name I have declared, Amen. Praise God. service. I have been so blessed and I know you have been too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. You can reach the city of the Lord Church on 0777-930882. If you are unable to call, you can email us on thecityofthelordzambia at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook at the City of the Lord Church. Stay blessed.